0: Welcome to trek companion this is episode 259 i'm your host brian williams i am adam caesar i'm stephen Embry. and this is your holiday 2020 special episode <laughs> the, um, the bulk of this episode is going to be an interview that we did earlier in the year uh with the penske podcast with wes but um before that we're just going to talk about some general 2020 stuff so if you are only interested in hearing us yap when we're talking about, you know, normal Star Trek episode stuff, then you will want to return in 1 month when we come back to discuss the f- first two episodes of Star Trek Discovery, but if you like hearing us yap about other things occasionally, then this is the episode for you. <laughs> oh boy. I have never wanted to see a year in the rearview mirror, as much as I'm, I want to see 2020 out, going out the door. I'm, I think we can all agree this has been one piece of poop of a year. I mean, obviously we're all happy to see Trump get voted out of office. That's that's good, but uh, <laughs> the pandemic is so terrible. That's how crappy 2020 has been for all of us, and I know it's been worse for. Our, some of our listeners than it has been for us. You know, we're all lucky to still have our jobs and stuff, even if we're stuck at home. And I am grateful for that. I miss going to restaurants. I miss freaking Disneyland. But I, I am fortunate to still have my my job and my home and friends and family and stuff, even if we're just communicating via FaceTime and Zoom. Well, that's not really the direction I am intended for this to go. <laughs> what I wanted to do, because <laughs> normally what we do... Is focus on like whatever uh, some big movie for that December. Now I had originally pre-pandemic thought that we would be spending our holiday 2020 episode discussing Denis Villeneuve's Dune feature, which I am so excited about. I'm more excited about that than any other movie on the horizon. But that movie was delayed, obviously, just like most movies. Um, And most movies didn't come out so this whole year. So we don't really have much, but. There were a couple of smaller movies that I wanted to make sure to mention that were my favorites of the year. That I, And this year, more than any other, you probably haven't seen them because nothing got released. Not, almost nothing got normal releases. The two movies I wanted to mention, one is called Uncle Frank by uh, Sam Ball. I think it's an Amazon exclusive now, maybe. But when I saw it, that was before it had gotten picked up. It's really, really just a wonderful movie. If you like Paul Bettany, then you would enjoy it because he gives a heck of a performance. Have you guys familiar with this movie, Uncle Frank? Heard of it? Haven't seen it. Yeah, it's it's a period piece for I guess it's the mid like the mid seventies, maybe something like that. Uh, so anyway, ch- check out Alt- Uncle Frank, and then the other movie I wanted to mention was uh, The Nest another acting kind of drama tour de force uh jude law is the lead in that one also terrific movie i don't know if you guys are familiar with that one no, i'm not no all right so not a lot of conversation to be had there but <laughs> um it's you know it's it's a smallish movie drama character piece also an also a period piece because the Nest, I think, takes place in the... Yeah, it takes place in the 80s, which is actually significant to the plot. I mean, it's neither one of these movies are easy to watch. They're both pretty heavy. Uncle Frank has, like, familial drama. You have a gay man in the South in the 70s who has been um, ostracized by some of his family and stuff like that uh, for Uncle Frank. And then The Nest is... I guess it's kind of a marital conflict... But it's 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 so great, so yeah, these are the kind of movies that yeah. I figured you maybe you guys haven't even heard of them because stuff didn't get normal releases this year. And uh, I know the Nest is. I think you can rent it now digitally. I believe Uncle Frank became an Amazon Prime exclusive, so if you got Prime, you can probably go ahead and watch it. So those are my movie recommendations. You guys, did you guys uh, see many movies that actually were released this year?
1: No, I have not myself. I guess maybe the only one that comes to mind is greyhound that was apple that was supposed to be what a sony release and apple bought that up
0: is that the tom hanks thing
1: yeah it's tom hanks's movie um world war Two movie but Not not private private ryan um was
0: it was it good
1: yeah i really enjoyed it um i thought it was probably i mean obviously it was made for the screen so i mean it, but it was probably one of the better streaming movies that i've seen you know um I thought it was better than any Netflix streaming movie that I'd seen. But then again, it's not really quite fair to compare it because it was actually, you know, Sony made, it, it was actually it was supposed to be a picture for the theaters. I think I saw an interview with Hanks. So he was pretty disappointed that people were not going to be able to see it on the screen.
0: You just reminded me another movie. I actually really liked because you said trial of the Chicago seven, the, the Aaron Sorkin movie. That's a Netflix thing. Yeah. And it was, it's, it's literally the first Netflix produced movie that I thought was really good. I always remind people that Rome, they did not make Roma. Roma was an existing movie that they bought, so that doesn't count. But Netflix made Trial of Chicago Seven, and I thought it was fantastic. I really thought it was good.
1: Yeah, I have that on my list. I haven't, I haven't gotten to it. I
0: like Aaron Sorkin, but sometimes his writing, like the dialogue, it just every every single character just sounds like Aaron Sorkin talking, and that isn't great. I I did not feel that way at all in this movie. Every character was very very well constructed. But uh, I'm sorry, so continue.
1: Um, let's see. Well, then I, you know, I'm not. Um, I I generally catch up with movies later. I watch. So I just. I actually a couple months ago watched Jojo Rabbit. I know that was from 2019, but I thoroughly enjoyed the film and thought it was great. Uh,
0: Steve, do you have any movies you want to mention? Uh, yeah. So obviously this year, I
2: I mean I saw a whole lot of movies. Not from this year more so you know than otherwise but i did see a few that that were released this year um one of them i was going to mention and and both uh, i was going to mention i don't know if you want to just stick with movies and not like a tv series until another round or whatever but a movie i was gonna mention was it's called a never rarely sometimes always um it's uh i think it was a focus features film uh, produced by bbc it uh i think it had a release i think it came out in uh, sundance very early in the year and uh it's basically about um a girl on a quest to get an abortion in a big city um and so it's it, it's really good it's I, i've noticed what one positive thing lately with uh kind of the aftermath of some of the uh events in the past few years is that we're seeing a lot more films that uh take into account various oppressed groups and um I, I was really impressed with this. It was written and directed by a woman, starring mostly women, featuring it, and uh, dealing with a very real issue. And I thought it was great. I was also going to mention a TV series. Unless you want me to hold
0: that wait on wait on that one. Yeah, let's wait on the TV okay. series. Any oh. any other movies? Nope. Not no. I just have that one right now. All right, all right. Adam, you wanted to do books.
1: Um yeah. Um. Let's see. The two I've I've read several books this year, but they will I'll keep it to kind of a like sci-fi genre. I read um, Children of Time and the sequel Children of Ruin. Um, Darren Aronofsky, I
0: believe. Yeah. And Aronofsky. Yeah. Adrian Darin Aronofsky. Darren Aronofsky is the the guy that directed Requiem for a Dream yeah. Pie.
1: Adrian yeah. um, um sounds actually yeah, it's a good name for a writer. Sounds very like old school. But no, they were really cool science fiction books. Um they were kind of just quick um, summary. They take place you know about you know at least a couple thousand years in the future obviously mankind's kind of wiped themselves out and so they've been um you know um terraforming planets um beyond our solar system and they're trying to introduce evolution long story short there's a faction things get crazy and this virus gets introduced onto one of these terraformed worlds and then This virus, which was supposed to evolve monkeys faster, ended up um, evolving spiders faster. So you get to see, like, um, you read about this evolution of um, the spider civilization to be kind of becoming sentient beings. And on the other hand, you kind of see the um, decay of the human race. So it's a kind of an interesting um, duality there.
0: I read several books this year, but I don't think. Any of them actually came out this year?
1: I don't think I don't think Children of Time and Ruin came out this year. I just read them this year.
0: Well, if we're if we're doing older like anything other than I got on a James McPherson kick recently. I've been reading a bunch of his history books and Civil War books and his Abraham Lincoln biographies and stuff. He's he's pretty great. But oh, I I know a book that that I read this that came out this year. Well, I mean I I. I just started it. Ready Player Two just came out last week, and I started reading that. How is it so far? So far, it's great. I mean, if it's so far, it feels like more Ready Player One. Uh, and if you liked his, and I'm not. I mean, I, I mean, I, I like the movie fine, but I mean, if, if you liked his book, Ready Player One, then, which I I really did, uh, then you will like Ready Player Two for sure.
1: I I like the movie, but I've you know they left so much out. It's like it's almost like I wish they kind of done a series. Instead. Well, I
0: thought it was kind of a bit of a. I mean, nobody less than Spielberg could possibly have pulled that off. I mean, page after page, when you're reading the book, you're like, nobody can get even a quarter of this stuff into a movie.
1: No, no, the, the movie's enjoyable, but I mean, it's... some
0: some of the stuff in the book that I that I liked more than what they did in the movie. Like I remember some of the the I forget what they called it, but the when when you played a part in a movie and you had to sell the lines and stuff, right? Like, um, like war games that was fascinating and i was so hoping they would do that in the movie and they didn't but, yeah. but but movie stuff aside so so if you like the book though if you like ready player one then ready player two i don't know how far i am into it not that far maybe a hundred pages but yeah it's a hundred percent more ready player one so i'm i'm really enjoying it like you know I'm trying to keep my eyes open oh i know another book i read that, that came out this year anthony daniel's uh book um i forget what it's called but you know it's his like memoirs of playing 3po all these years and unlike some other people's memoirs where you know you read 200 pages before he gets to the star wars stuff you actually care about he's in the star wars in like you know 10 pages so <laughs> nice. you know so it's great it's and and he's he's so like just lovable and He's i uh, I he's great. it's a really a really fun quick read
1: so shout out to David Pross oh. yeah
0: I, I remember seeing him many times at conventions. He's a big guy he was, yeah. always seemed really nice. um Steve, you got any books uh i I do not know Not even any Star Trek books.
2: No, <laughs>
0: not really. No. I did get um, that Jeff Bond, and um, I Apologies, I forget the name of the other guy, but their, their Star Trek The Motion Picture like, art book that came out mm-hmm, a couple months mm-hmm. ago. I got that, and I haven't – I mean, it's it's more like a coffee table book that every few days I just pick up and read a page or two. So I don't know if I'm maybe halfway through it or something, but it's, it's really gorgeous and a, a better, more deserving art book from the first movie than any other book I've seen, that's for sure. I I love that uh, tomorrow, whatever the, the, darn it, the book from a few years ago uh, that was all about the motion picture written contemporaneously history of tomorrow tomorrow something about tomorrow anyway it was great but it like had no they would describe they would go off on like in a, a pages describing how they set up some effect shot or something and there's no pictures everywhere. <laughs> i feel like a freaking kindergartner saying i want pictures but i do want pictures you know so that jeff bond book was great anyway uh okay uh steve c- get us over to tv shows Sure. Yeah. So I watched a, a
2: few things like that. Not, not a lot, but, um, a Netflix series I liked was called uh, unorthodox. It's a four part miniseries that came out. early. Wow. Morning. I haven't heard of this at all. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's just four episodes, um, you know, less than an hour each, but it's, um, you know, that basically the notion is it's a, it's, it's based on an autobiography of a woman who essentially, uh, I Gaped, so so to speak, at a, his, his Hasidic New York Jewish community, um, Orthodox Jewish community, um, because it just wasn't fitting her vibe or whatever, and, uh, and went overseas and so forth. But um, I thought it was really good. It was it was really interesting and really spoke to, again this theme to um, to. And, you know, women oppressed and kind of in a, in a paternalistic kind of culture and dealing with, you know, entering kind of the, the real world, quote unquote, you know, from being in a sheltered community for a long period of their life. But I thought, I thought it was interesting and entertaining.
0: Cool. I just added that to my uh, Netflix watch list. Cool. Nice. You know, I did watch a fair amount of TV, but so much of it was comfort stuff. But <laughs> The one thing I watched that I know was made this year, I like I like that the sitcom Superstore. I thought it was cool that they actually integrated the pandemic rather than shot away from it the new season. But the main thing uh, that I've loved this year was the Mandalorian. We're what a little more than halfway through season two, and it's so new that I don't, I won't say much to spoil it, except just to say that I mean I was just watching the most recent episode and I, it was so clear to me because you know we we have this weird thing that happened actually a little bit last fall um, where we have a new episode of Star Trek on Thursday and a new episode of Star Wars on Friday. So it's it's hard not to compare them a little bit. And obviously I'm a Star Trek person. I do a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> I love Star Wars as much as the next guy, but, you know, I want to like all the new Star Trek shows, but I, I wish I could say that I have enjoyed watching any of the new Star Trek shows as much as I've enjoyed watching The Mandalorian but I cannot say that that would not be true because I am enjoying the Mandalorian more than any of the new Star Trek shows. Now, some of that I'm sure is the hell that is 2020. 2020 is poop and all the new Star Trek shows, they want to be, you know, gritty and they're anxiety producing and they're so constantly just emotional and they're heavy and that is not what star trek used to be it's what the people making star trek now have decided star trek is better or worse i'm not even i'm not even having that conversation about whether that's good or bad or whatever but what i will argue is that in the year 2020 i do not need more anxiety (laughs) i stopped watching the walking dead and all its spin-offs for example that's uh, walking does a great show and i stopped watching it because i'm like you know what i'll pick this up again in like a year and a half (laughs) i (laughs) think i just don't need more of that you know what i do need i need some fun i need some levity and the mandalorian is fun man the mandalorian is just a fun freaking show even season two yeah they, they they they're dipping their toes in some you know more story stuff but it's just fun every episode they're they're pretty much standalone and there's of course there's an overall our story arc but most of the time it's you know it's lone wolf and cub it's it's the adventure series and yeah i know we need to go do this thing but right now we're gonna we're gonna help these people and fight whatever okay great i've actually watched some episodes of the mandalorian more than once (laughs) uh i can't say that about any of the new star trek shows i'm also really amazed at how much they've gotten into stories, picked up stories and characters from both the animated Clone Wars and the animated Rebels series. Now I realize Dave Filani is involved in Mandalorian. So, uh, you know, I'm sure that explains the majority of that, but I'm surprised that Disney's even let them get into the weeds of those shows and characters because uh, the Mandalorian pretty much single-handedly put Disney plus on the map and, Disney Plus is, you know, so important to Disney right now, and Mandalorian is so important to Disney Plus right now that I'm surprised they would let them do some of those storylines given the Mandalorian's mainstream success and stuff. But I think it's I think it's a blast, and I, I wish some of the Star Trek shows were a little more fun, and I'm hopeful that maybe that's what Strange New Worlds will be. So I guess we're gonna, you know, I think they start shooting that one soon. January, February, something like that. So... You know, maybe a year from now we'll get some strange new worlds and hopefully it'll be fun. But yeah, that's probably the show that I've been the new show that I've enjoyed the most in twenty twenty. And I guess new from the point of view that I mean season two is new. Uh Adam, you got any T V shows?
1: Yeah, well I'll keep it on the same track. Um, I I disagree with you on the Mandalorian, you being surprised that Disney would allow them to do that. And it makes to me it makes perfect sense from a, from a business standpoint you bring in the you know we just this last week we saw the most important Star Wars character that's never gotten any screen time so it makes sense for Disney to do this
0: but no that, that's an example of a, a character that I that I love. But well, the, me, the, 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 the average person has no idea who she is. Yeah,
1: well, yeah, that's, that's the point I'm trying to make here is that, yeah, you're right. The average person doesn't know who she is, but you bring her into the, like what you said, the, this popular show, The Mandalorian. And then it might intrigue you other than, you know, the hardcore Star Wars fans, they haven't Probably seen the animated series, so that keeps them on Disney Plus. You go back and you start watching the animated, the Star Wars animated series, which are very good. Both the Clone Wars and Rebels. I mean, don't give me not every single episode's great, but I mean, overall, I think they're a really good series. And that's that's a credit to Dave because he was able to bring that kind of style. I mean, The Mandalorian's its own show, but it also feels like the animated series. Um, So. As a fan who watched all the animated series and seeing them be able to bring this, that into The Mandalorian and still have The Mandalorian be its own standalone show, it, it's, a really, it's a really cool thing. Just another show. I just recently finished um, Lower Decks on, on Star Wars. not Star Wars. On Star Trek. And um, that was cool for me. The reason I really like that show, it's kind of goofy. But the reason they were they used that series to kind of fill in the gaps, and that's what Clone Wars and Rebels did. So I'll be interested to see if they're going to continue that with Star Trek, if they're going to have more animated stuff or or not. But that's kind of where you can kind of fill in these gaps, and that's I think another. I think that's part of another reason why the Mandalorians is so successful is because people who are big fans of Rebels and and Clone Wars have been really excited about these storylines coming out in the show. So. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I think Disney would have been silly not to let them pursue this because it gives them more avenues to have more people stay on their platform and watch more shows.
0: The last thing I want to mention, um, and I know I'm the only person that's, <laughs> okay. maybe we don't even have very many listeners that care about this, but I'm really into, f- I'm still really into physical media. Uh, I still collect physical media and especially, you know, 4k discs and Blu-ray discs and, one cool thing that's come out of that, one good thing that's come out of the pandemic, is all these smaller studios that were licensing big studio content. They've really stepped up their game, and you know, like Arrow is my favorite right now. They put out so many great things this year. Um, I mean, just recently, Flash Gordon, Last Starfighter, versus. And tremors and you know like they're all new transfers from the negatives and come with books and they're they're great i love their releases their gamera big blu-ray box set was amazing the thing weighs a ton but it's great if you if you like gamma then i'm sure you've already bought the thing so i just got my dawn of the dead 4k uk uk import the second site release i don't know why it wasn't really somebody didn't pick it up and release it here but i'm not sure it's some rights issue but it's amazing it's incredible It comes with two awesome books if you like the 1978 original dawn of the dead it's well worth importing the columbia classics 4k set i forget what it's called but it just has a bunch of their movies but yeah you buy it because it has lawrence of arabia in 4k which looks amazing oh my yeah, god i've, I've never too, seen yeah. Yeah, have you watched it? Have you watched Lawrence?
2: I've no, I've checked it out. I haven't watched it all the way through, but I'm sure it's nothing compared to what the experience
0: you get in your, yeah. in your system. But I've I've never seen it look this good. I saw it on 70 once, and I've never seen it look this good. It was just amazing. I mean, it had there are several shots that is just. I mean, it is the prettiest movie ever made. Even if you didn't like the movie, which I can't imagine why somebody wouldn't love it. I mean, it's the prettiest motion picture ever. You could watch the entire movie with the sound down and it's just painting, just painting after painting, incredible composition. And this is the best. It's, I can't imagine the movie ever looking better than this. It it just, it's amazing. It looks so good. There, there were a couple of shots where uh, it reminded me of that feeling you get, like when you're watching, watching uh, an IMAX movie in an IMAX, in a true IMAX theater, not the digital stuff, you know, when you're actually watching 65, it looked like that multiple times. Nice. Really incredible. Uh, and then the last one I wanted to mention was um, the Star Wars 4K set, which I believe is a Best Buy exclusive. It's just nice to have all those movies in a physical format and the best quality that we're probably ever going to officially get them. If they found the negative somewhere, then I'm sure they could, they could do a better job with the transfers. But this, they do look and sound as good as as we're probably ever going to get officially. And it's a pretty slick box it, even though i don't like that kind of packaging you know where you have to slip the discs in to these slot things yeah, that's annoying yeah. yeah uh back to the future i gotta mention that one it's i mean it's, in the, it's in my top 10 favorite movies of all time and when the blu-rays came out whatever that was a decade ago they looked terrible and the new 4k transfers they went back to the negative they look incredible they look amazing oh man I watched I watched the first Back to the Future twice the first week I got those discs. <laughs> yeah. It just looks so good. I did buy the Steel Books not because I like Steel Books, but because they put them unlike the regular Back to the Future 4K set where you slide the s- discs in the slots like so many of the Universal things. The Steel Books let you you know actually just insert them into a regular box. I got the Universal Hitchcock 4K set. They all look amazing, but it's the same issue where you, you know, the frustrating sliding them into those. Oh, that that Scream Factory set that gave us uh, the Friday the 13th movies, including for the first time ever, a true Blu-ray 3D transfer, Friday the 13th Part 3. You know what? I could go on for a long time, and I'm pretty sure not very many of our listeners are interested in physical media, so I'm going to stop. But it was a great year for Physical media enthusiasts like myself.
1: We're looking forward to twenty. I was thinking about this today when you were asking about movies. I'm like, well, what was the last movie I saw in the theater? Right? Because I obviously I haven't seen one all this year. And <laughs> the last movie—it's—it's it's probably Juma- I saw went and saw the second Jumanji movie with my mom last Christmas. so I think that's the last time I was in. That.
0: Well, I've been. I mean, I go a lot. I mean I did go a lot pre pandemic, so I even went the weekend before they locked down LA, I remember going to see what's the the Pixar movie, um Chris Pratt and, and Spider Man, Tom Holland. Onward. Onward. I saw Onward that, that you know, in a commercial cinema the weekend before the <laughs> the lockdown. But I've been to the drive in several times. Any time when they've released actual new content, you know, most of the drive ins have been playing library content, which I'm not going to go to a place for that. But I went to the drive-in to see Tenet, uh, New Mutants, War with Grandpa. And then just this past weekend, I took my son to the drive-in to see the Crudes sequel. You guys have drive-ins there? Oh, well, it's probably too cold now, huh? Or no?
1: Just turn on the heat in your car. No, I, I don't yeah, know.
2: I mean, there, there's some around, not really close. Um, I don't know how active they are yet. Yeah, today was a pretty cold day, for example, the last few weeks. But, yeah, they're
0: around.
1: Yeah, they're not really in the city. I mean, you'd have to go out and I'd have to research it again. They're all out in the burbs.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's an hour drive for me. But the one cool thing is <laughs> 45 minutes from me, so 15 minutes before you get to the drive-in is the nearest Sonic drive-in. <laughs> so I always, reason. I always have a Sonic burger. When I go to the drive-in, yeah, I mean it's it's great that I've had that option, but I th- I've had my fill, and I want to be able to go back to the commercial cinema soon. Okay, uh, so that's uh, plenty of ado. So we will have no further ado. Um, we're going to now play this interview that we did earlier in the year, and then we're going to come back and say and say goodbye at the end. So this interview, Wes from the Penske Podcast, uh, interviewed us after we finished before we. Sp- started doing the movies. So this must've been like late spring, early summer when we finished uh, Voyager. (laughs) We finished Voyager, which was the last. So at this point we had finished after almost 10 years, the final, like uh, discussing every single episode that existed when we started our podcast. Which speaking of that, this being December, 2020, this is our 10 year anniversary. I forgot about that. (laughs) <laughs> so he wanted to uh, interview us and it was a good lively discussion I'll remind you at the end but you can find his him at uh, thepenskypodcast.com he says the title is a little bit confusing if you're looking for the Pensky Podcast but if you just search Penske, Pensky podcast that's how you can usually find it uh, so here is that interview and we will be back afterward to say goodnight night. <laughs>
3: Hey, everybody. Surprise. I'm sure you're thinking that uh, this is not the next episode of Enterprise or whatever. We're up to the episode after Fusion, but that's not going to be happening right now. What is the episode after Fusion? Can anyone tell me what the next episode after Enterprise for, uh, for Fusion is?
0: Steve's our trivia meister. Oh, no, off top of my head. <laughs> Post-fusion. <laughs>
3: we're, 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 to, we're off to a good start. We're not doing the next episode of Enterprise. I'm instead going to be talking to Trek Companion, who is another Star Trek podcast that uh, was influential on me when I started five years ago, except these guys have been going for 10 years now. So we have, uh, we've gotten together to sort of see where our lives went wrong and talk about things that could have been and how things could have been better and everything like that but it's mostly going to be a um celebration of eh, maybe a celebration it'll be something about star trek and something about podcasting we'll talk about the highs and the lows and everything in between and so i'm going to say hello to brian brian how are you hi i'm great and then we're going to say hi to adam adam how are you good good thank you and then finally steve steve how are you good good thank you how do you guys want to start about this? Do you do you, do you want to do you want to uh, tell me why why podcasting and why Star Trek? Maybe you can just sort of go around the uh, go around the table and we can take it from there. But why why did you start the show? Why Star Trek? Why why is it the perfect blend that's uh, kept you going for ten years at this point? I don't know that we thought we
0: would actually complete this. You know, when we started, um, I remember very clearly. Yeah, twenty ten. I I felt like rewatching DS9. I was a guy that listened to a ton of podcasts and podcasts are like in 2010, they were way bigger than they were say in 2005, but compared to today, I mean, today, you know, it's big business and it wasn't that in 2010, but I listened to so many podcasts and just sometime one time it just dawned on me, like, why don't I just do one? And I I wanted to rewatch DS9 and I missed my buddy. Steve, who had was in Kansas City. I grew up in you know Missouri, and then I went to Texas for a decade, and then I ended up in Los Angeles. So I went to high school with Steve, and you know when you move apart, it's hard to you it's, you, you want to find an excuse to talk with each other, but you're busy. Uh, I went to college in Texas with Adam, and Adam ended up in Chicago. So it was just this, I don't know. It just kind of came together. I was like, wait, this is the perfect idea. We'll ha- we'll be able to talk. And but even when we started. I don't think we thought we would actually get through 700 plus episodes of Star Trek that all existed at the time we started our podcast. I didn't even know if we'd get through the first season of DS9. I remember we had an episode, was it the second or third podcast where we had to re-record it like four times because it it failed. We just had, we didn't know what we were doing. We had problems every time. And so we were so close to just stopping, I feel like, but we kept going. It's hard for me to, I, I went back and listened to like the first, the first few episodes, I don't even think we had microphones. They, they're hard to listen to. And I, sh- I shudder if somebody ever tries to listen to our podcast and starts off with that and then <laughs> thinks, oh, God, these guys are
1: terrible. I can't listen to this. But anyway, hey, it, it gets better. Maybe we should redo the first season of DS9.
3: <laughs> so that's that's the uh the cycle once you guys are done you have to repeat the process oh, you, can you can start over thing. You're like, well i actually know how to record uh audio at this point so maybe i'll try to do something different and get some different thoughts about it but it is a um it's like a just like a learning process like it, it took it took me the entirety of tng tos and then some of DS9 before we really sort of figured out what the hell we were going to do and uh, my show's obviously a little bit different we didn't have um I didn't have a set ho- guest host for the first couple of years or whatever so it was sort of a rotating cast of characters and then Clay kind of settled in as the uh, the permanent guest host but yeah to get back to you guys i mean like Adam um why Star Trek i suppose why why do you think why do you think Star Trek was able to uh, survive because i always talk with Clay about this how some shows can do this and some shows couldn't have a podcast that has 700 whatever episodes based on it. And Star Trek seems kind of unique in that it can. So uh, I was just wondering what you thought about why Star Trek is actually possible to do this with as opposed to some other show, which is probably impossible or unlistenable un- un- to some other shows to have this done to them.
1: Well, um, I-, I think that kind of comes down to why we 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 decided to do the podcast we wanted to you know you know this kind of all started off as, as fun but then we kind of when we kind of got into what we were going to try to do we were like is, is star trek still relevant are these episodes that were made in the 60s 80s and 90s are they still relevant um and their storytelling today and do do they still have something to tell us today and um that's kind of what we all went back to kind of kind of discover if they still held that um same same power and that same grip as they did when they were, you know, when they first came out. And, and to be honest, for the most part, I, and I think Steve and Brian would agree, you know, for the most part, yes, I, I think the, you know, the stories that are in each of the series are are universal and they're human. And that's, what's great about Star Trek. That's why I think the three of us and yourself included really love it. And all the fans out there is because it shows vulnerabilities in you know the human condition and it shows the strengths and it and it tells those stories in a raw um emotional and honest ways and when when star trek's doing that and it does it a lot it's it's great it's great to watch now now there are episodes out there that really fail badly and you know we talked about those as well but that's kind of why i think I've hung on to Star Trek this long, and I think that's kind of why our, our podcast has lasted throughout all of the episodes, because each of the series has that in it. So that's... that's kinda-
0: I remember, you know, it was really important to me when we started for us to be like really structured. And one of the things that we came up with was was this idea of always talking about what is this... You know, we always end it with what is this episode about? And I, th- I remember that came from... Um, one of the writers on Next Gen said whenever they would pitch to... Michael Pillar, that would always be be his question. He would stop them as they were telling him plot stuff, and he says, I, "You know, don't tell me about the plot. What is it really about?" Um, and they talked about it like he had gotten that from Gene Roddenberry. That kind of gives us a little bit of a focus, but I think that's kind of one of the things you're you're getting at there,
3: Adam. You know, well, I mean, one of the uh, what do you think your what do you think as a podcast your batting average would be for the episodes being about something? Do you think it's 500? Do you think it's sub 500 or something? Because if I feel we like a lot like. of your, your ending Voyager ones are kind of like, "I this is, a, <laughs> this is about a journey to the stars, gentlemen. We, we, should, we should have calculated that stat. I guess we could go back. It would be kind of tedious now. Yeah. <laughs> well, Steve, to uh, to get you into this, would you have been able to do this podcast for 700 episodes of Watch Something if you didn't have a nostalgic factor related into it? Well I spo- I
2: suppose so if it was like a job. Or, I mean, you know, if it it would have felt like a job though on the most part. I mean, I think I think there's a lot of things that we can discuss and critique because uh, not always, but a lot of, I think a lot of times people who are fans of Star Trek are also fans of um fans of film and fans of TV and fans of comics or whatever it might be, that's, that's there too. And so they, there's, I mean, there, there are those that are it's Star Trek and that's it, but a lot of times it's other, you know, fans of other things as well and other media and so on. So there could be things to talk about, but as uh, I think, as Adam alluded to Star Trek is so unique in that you, you kind of have this, I mean, certainly it's the only thing where you have this many episodes of something in a, in a canon that's, you know, has a consistent, usually consistent kind of theme and that you can talk about things like these are, um, you know, morality plays and in some respect and they have something to say and there's, there's nothing quite like that, at least not consistently. There are shows that do it for a shorter span of time. There are shows that, might have more episodes, but they're they're like soap operas or something, right? There's that kind of thing, but there's nothing quite like this. And if you're a fan of it and it it being unique as it is, it provides a unique opportunity to do this kind of thing.
3: Yeah. Yeah, you get to... um, I mean, something that's kind of fascinating is, outside of Discovery and Picard and everything like that, like, it is a fairly redundant series over the course of 700. You know, it's like, it's not... None of the shows were really transcendently different from each other they once you it's only once you do a podcast about 197 episodes of ds9 that you realize how different it is from tng but if i you know if i were to show tng and ds9 to my wife she would not be able to identify which one Mm -hmm. is which except for the fact that cisco is a black man and he runs ds9 and stuff like that it's just it's it's funny that so for how similar they are and we're starting to sort of notice this with enterprise and everything um it's remarkable that they actually got the kind of distance they did out of it and which also it kind of makes the podcast kind of like a uh, a practice session where we were talking about earlier how it like improves with time in terms of audio and stuff. But you also get better at just analyzing what a Star Trek episode is because it never really deviates in any drastic way from what you expect. And you can kind of um, go down the line and figure out which ones are good and which ones you don't like and come away with like deep relatively deep thoughts about which episodes of Star Trek you like and what the series is good at it's interesting because you start you know you watch the episodes differently right like
0: i mean i'm literally taking notes but i you know you're watching it with a much more critical eye when you're planning to have an analytical discussion about it it it's it's i've really learned a lot watching them a different way and i've gotten completely different things out of them and it's that's really surprised me i think
3: Adam what's the, uh what's the biggest change? I, I assume what you guys have all just correct me if I'm wrong. You've all seen the episodes before this, right? Or are there some episodes is it, are there some series that are new? I just made it all up, right? <laughs> no,
0: no, no, there actually there was one episode of The Next Generation that I had never seen. Yeah. And I saw it for the first time on Blu-ray. Other than that, yes, but I didn't even know it existed. It was a fluke, but that was that was really amazing.
3: That was the uh <laughs> That was the saddest part of finishing TNG because I started off with TNG and it was my series. And when it was done, I had this melancholy thing of before I had watched uh, streaming on or through the Blu-rays or whatever, I had this this binder of burned DVDs because me and my friends when we were younger just bought the whole set and we burned copies of them. And I used to just flip through them. I never watched them in order. So there was always this magical possibility that maybe there was an episode I had never seen. But it, it was a very melancholy thing when we finished Team, oh. It was like, oh, I've definitely seen all the episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I'll, I'll go back to um, Adam, I suppose. If, yeah. if something, if, if you've seen these all before, and this uh, run-through is kind of fresh in your mind, what's the biggest change about Star Trek, in your opinion, from this watch-through for this podcast? What's changed the most, in your opinion, about Star Trek? that You used to not think, maybe you had some kind of idealized view of the show or maybe you thought that something was bad and it actually turned out to be good but has there been like a major change for you this time
1: i think the best way for me to answer that question you know um is to say you know the you know kind of the curtain gets pulled back and you you know you see the wizard back there i i have a better understanding of like you know how television is made you know i work in television not on on Shows like Star Trek or anything like that—it's just more localized television. So it's kind of having the curtain pulled back and seeing how chaotic and um, dysfunctional it is. And you know, when you read about it, and sometimes we talk about it, it's amazing sometimes to me that it, some of the shows even got made. You know, especially if you go back into the '60s with um the original series, how many how many hours they were working? You know, stri- scripts are you know showing up day of, and you know, I know that happened on a lot of the series. You know, you hear Kate Mulgrew talk about you know you know, we'd get rewrites that day of and they're, you know, 12, 16 hour days. So I think I, at the same time, I, I have a better respect for the work that everybody put into these shows and the long hours. Um, And at the same time, looking at it through the lens of, you know, 2020 and how shows are made today, it it makes me appreciate the evolution of what we have today. It seems like things are more organized. You know, you see, you know, streaming shows that, you know, they all come out, the the 13 episodes and, you know, and it's more organized and, and kind of put together. And I think that was built on and I'm not trying to criticize the earlier television it's just you know you got to build an evolutionary step up and so those are the kind of the things i've kind of learned about television and how it's made and taking the analytical look at like um, these episodes how they were written and, and what the what was going on with selling them and the studios and all that kind of stuff
3: if tv's evolved why is a uh, picard so terrible we'll skip that we'll get to that later brian <laughs> what is the um what's the thing that's changed for you or what did you notice this time around well,
0: yeah, you know, talking about watching it with with an analytical eye, you know, watching it with a critical eye, it's it's kind of like what Adam was talking about. I think that it makes you conceptualize the shows differently. Um, you, you start to think of everything more in terms of writing and production. I mean, definitely when I was younger, it, the shows were the main cast. You know, you would go to conventions and those are the people you would see, right? And you would think about the shows in terms of, of really just the cast, but Maybe you get older and you start thinking more in terms of writing and production, but definitely, if you're watching it with a critical eye, that's that's what it becomes almost entirely about. And you're like, "Yeah, that cast member, <laughs> that cast member didn't even know what that line was going to be when they showed up." And I mean, this is it's got they're they're just one part of it. They're way they're they're way less kind of important than I used to think. That's that's putting it the wrong way. I should say the 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 director and the editor and the writer and the composer and all these other people are so much more important than i used to realize. i think that's that's what you start to really feel.
3: yeah. steve any changes for you? you know, i think uh probably a couple
2: things. One, you know, you, you, hopefully you change as a person in two years, you know, you're a different person than when you started something. And when I first started this, I, I had, I had never really critiqued something in this way. You know, I mean, I, I don't, not that I recall really. And I think, I think you get better at it. You, you start to learn um, from each time, each season, each episode, everything goes on, you you, you learn what, what it is that makes something good. And you know, I think it's almost like a feedback loop. You know, you, obviously you go through things in your own life that create a lens in which you see anything. And that's true for these episodes or for anything you watch or say or do but also what you, what you value in that does feed back into yourself. You know, you, 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 if you, if you respect or value a certain principle that's established in a certain, in a certain way, that, um, that affects you, that affects you and how you behave in your life and how you, it affects your creativity and, and how you go through everything. So, um, it's hard to say who changes whom, you know, or what changes what, you know, um, uh, I change, uh, my lens of it changes the experience of seeing all this changes me again. So it's, I think it's, I think it's a, it's been quite an experience. It's been a really relevant experience in my life.
3: The thing that, the thing that's been interesting to me is that it's, um, when you're younger and you watch them kind of out of order, it just feels fresh all the time. Well, like it feels, um, it just feel it doesn't have the sort of relentlessness that when you're watching it through yeah. and I say relentlessness in kind of a kind of a good way, kind of a bad way. but you my main takeaway and this will sound flippant. I probably sound like I'm down on the series or anything, but it's like it's just kind of these eye opening things where I'm surprised by how many bad episodes there are. If you had asked younger me <laughs> how many bad episodes of Star Trek there were, I would have said you know, maybe 5%, some, some some absurd number like that. And I, we keep a track of these things. And I consider like we have a one to five scale and three is like an average episode. There's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of twos and a lot of threes. And it's just like, you end up just going like, wow, there's a lot of these episodes, but your brain is just very good at shutting down, uh, the mediocre parts and sticking with the good parts.
0: Yeah. If, if you're just flipping channels and you come across an episode of Star Trek and you watch it and you, and you enjoy it. I mean, our, our are you con- are you conscious of it being bad uh if you're not watching it with that
3: critical eye for your podcast? Right. Background noise. So a lot of a lot of TV is background noise for uh which is not a which is not an insult, but it's like it's a very different thing to sit there with your eyes, you know, um, clockwork orange pinned open trying as you're trying to make it through another forty five <laughs> minute episode of some of them. But they're yeah, they're fascinating. I mean the for the the good thing that's come across the the good thing that's changed for me is just that it's a um it's kind of a remarkable franchise in just its breadth, really. Like, it's just, you know, Star Wars is kind of the comparison, but Star Wars is limited. Like, anything that, you know, there's the Clone Wars and stuff like that, but Star Wars doesn't have nearly as much screen time as stuff going on, even if it has, like, a disproportionate amount of acclaim and everything like that. It's it's just been fascinating to sort of go through these things. Um, we can we can have, like, a sort of round the table here quick, out of all the, the shows that were on when you guys started... did your favorite change out of all the series or are you still the same one? And what is your favorite series out of these so far?
1: Uh, Well, I would, I would kind of, I, I think it's still probably deep space nine you know, it's sometimes it's deep space nine and still sometimes it's still next gen. I kind of keep the original, original series separate. Um, So it's hard for me to kind of compare, but you know, you were kind of, you were referring to, sorry to kind of go back. You were kind of referring to, yeah, you're right. A lot of the episodes are, are average. But I think going back to kind of what Brian said, you know, it's it's the characters that we all love, and so if you really love a character, you can sit through a bad hour of television watching, you know, Jane Way or Kirk, unless it's in game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there are certain there are episodes that are bad (laughs) enough, but I think that's really kind of what drives it drives these series. I mean, you know, we all love each of these characters. I mean, we we talked about it when we finished up Voyager even though we kind of thought Voyager was kind of lower on the scale of the other series, we all love the characters maybe more than some of the other shows. So I think that's kind of, I think that's what kind of drives us and it, it makes up for some of the lackluster episodes, but yeah, DS9, probably DS9, I'm probably on DS9 because it's the last show I haven't, that's the longest I haven't seen. So I kind of, I'm kind of itching to kind of walk, go back and check yeah, out. It was, your, it was
3: you guys' first one, uh, yeah. Brian favorite series. Has it changed? Well, yeah, when we started, it
0: was DS9, and that, and that's why we started with DS9, because I was wanting to re-watch that. But this watch-through, uh, you know, original series and next-gen are such close seconds. There are times when, like DS9, I think it, it, it holds it back a little bit in that it seems like a show that I would just only ever watch from the beginning to the end. You know, unlike original series or next-gen, where I could just pop on an episode almost any time and watch it. Yep. So there's something... I don't know. Somehow that gets more points. So I, <laughs> I don't know. If pressed, probably DS9. But man, original series and next gen are such close seconds.
3: Knocking on the door, Steve. Anything changed yeah, with you?
2: No, not really. I, I, I pretty much are right in line with uh, Brian and Adam both. I mean, it's but it but it is complex because it depends on how you kind of grade it. I mean, it, it's um, Deep Space Nine. I think, I think critically, you know, is from beginning to end as a series is is the best, but. Um, I'm, I totally agree. There's, there's certain aspects of the other. And, uh, next gen is kind of what I, I, you know, sort of grew up on. I, 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 I you know, I'm way too, uh, young to see the original series originally, but I caught some of it in syndication and I didn't really, I I knew about it, but I didn't really fall in love with Trek with that. Next gen is when, when it became, Real and in, in my thing, so that holds a special place. And the original series, kind of like Adam alluded to, it's it, it's like it's almost like the Bible or something. I mean, it, it you, you 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 we can critique it, and we did, you know. Okay. But it's it it's 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 its own animal. But uh, I think I think my views are pretty much in line with Brian and Adam, and they didn't really change throughout this.
3: Yeah, I have, I have a I have a hard time. I flip flop between DS9 and TNG, probably for the same reasons that you guys are saying. Where um, DS9 is probably like if you want to say objectively the best series out of them, but TNG is probably the purest Star Trek experience out of all of them, I think. And I also wonder if you were just to watch DS9 without being familiar with TNG, would it, is, is being familiar with TNG additive to DS9 in a way, you know what I mean? Like you have to have the baseline of TNG to really understand what DS9 is doing. That's different with the formula. Um, so i was I yeah would i think about th- there's that. a
0: language there sure um un- unlike going from the original series to next gen next gen started this new language that yeah it, it i think it helps ds9 a lot
3: but I, th- I think you can watch tng without being familiar with tos and get away with it where i don't think ds9 yeah. is really the same
0: but you know just like a, a, as a percentage of incredible episodes i don't think well okay it's original series season three <laughs> hurts a lot but Just those first two seasons of the original series. I mean, it was just, it it was like a Michael Jackson thriller album or something. Like every single one was so great for so long. There's just, there's just this knocking it out of the park so many times that I'm not sure anybody else has achieved.
3: Yeah, no, I, 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 especially season one of TOS, which is always the forgotten Star Trek series for some reason, which is uh, clearly the best first season. Yeah, I, um, I want to ask you, um,
0: because you did DS9 recently, and, and you and you just said you, it might be the best, right? Just does, does it hold it back that it's standard deaf? I know I, I'm the guy on our podcast that complains about technical stuff all the time, but man, you know, Voy- watching Voyager and standard deaf, the thought of rewatching DS9 now is
3: painful. Well, here's my here's my question about the DS9 production, right? They they were familiar with TV production at the time. They know what running a signal through antenna onto a 480 you know interlaced screen is going to look like right why is ds9 half of it shot on this dark station and the other half on a cave basically like so much of ds9 is just stuck in very dark muddy images there's um yeah it was never going to look good in ntsc right it was never going to look good like um apocalypse rising which is like the opening season five episode where they go to the klingon thing there's like the Gowron as a changeling, or it's where they learn that Martok as the changeling. Um, that whole episode is indecipherable because it's just brown and red color all over the screen. And it's just, it's really upsetting. DS9 would really benefit from um, the remaster. It's just, it's sad that so much of it was lost. And especially because I love the detail of the station on DS9 that you haven't really been able to enjoy yeah. to this point.
1: It's, it's probably one of those things where, you know, they wanted the show to kind of have a darker, grittier look to it as opposed to the clean cut. Um, you know, enterprise, yeah, and then you know, and the, the, you know, and that's the way they wanted to make it. And then the reality is, um, you know, this is how you have to broadcast it. And they're, you know, the two worlds didn't kind of meet. You know, unfortunately, that happens a lot where you want to make something and then it, it gets changed around. So that I'm guessing that's probably what happened is that they wanted to make a darker show, but that's the only way they could broadcast it was that way. So they just went that way.
3: It's the same with um. Quark's uh, clothing on the the high-def screen caps that they did for uh, the documentary, right, where they remastered some of it. Quark's uh, clothing is, like, very intricate. It's very, like, designed and very... Someone obviously put a lot of time into making this thing, and you can never tell it from the original <laughs> image. It's the same yep. with... Um, you know, the torch bearer in the season one of discovery where the guy, the guy was on Twitter. whos like, I spent 500 hours designing this thing and the, and it's only in the episode for about seven seconds. And then the torch bearer is gone." <laughs> and it's just like, well, that's just such a, it's such a sad turn of events that all that hard work just can't get, uh, can't get taken for much longer than that. Let's see. well, I mean, we, we can, uh, we can kind of loosen the reins here. I suppose we've done the, uh, the interview back and forth thing. Um, would you learn about podcasting? Would you learn about? Uh, Would you learn? You, what do you enjoy about this process? What do you hate about this process?
1: The things that I kind of learned about podcasting is, you know, Brian, when we first started, you know, we were talking about the early shows and kind of all the technical glitches that we we had um, we had early on. And I and I've heard I've listened to a few of those shows before too, not recently, but I can you know just hearing hearing yourself and how I. I guess the best way to describe it is there's kind of like a lack of confidence in my own self starting early on because I don't really know what I'm doing. You know, my, you know, I have to read the summaries. I mean, it was terrible. I was bumbling through them left and right. Not that I don't today, but I mean, I feel like I get through that kind of, I feel <laughs> you like re- you I get through that no one else
3: can do it. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I feel like that's kind of helped, you know, just on my own, just being a better out loud reader. I mean, you know, we, it's not often that you, you read out loud and listen to your kids or that kind of thing. You know, it's not like we're all politicians giving speeches of that kind of thing so uh, on a personal note it's helped me kind of read out loud better and be more confident in like you know making points and you know being confident about what you believe because if you watch you know sometimes we we most of the time the three of us agree but sometimes we do disagree and it's like okay this is why i feel this way or this why i don't feel this way and you know being able to kind of like um Stand, you know, do that kind of thing, and I, I think we've all kind of gotten better at that over the years, you know, and obviously we have a, a very large comfort with each other. We know, we know what's going on with each other's heads, but like those are the kind of things I've learned, and it's kind of made. Me, I believe it's made me kind of just a better person, a better communicator, a better storyteller, all those things. So it's it's been a great help for, in me.
3: Yeah, for me. yeah, Steve.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I speaking along those lines, I, I feel like it's it's um it's built confidence because you, you, I mean, if you care at all, you want to go in and have some kind of, you know, idea of what you want to say about something. Right. And then, and then you build on the, on the past and what you brought up before. And then all that, all that experience sticks with you and then you can uh, reference things and compare. And, and it's, it's like, a, it's like, some almost like a debate class in a way that way too. You know, it's, it's how do you, how do you articulate your point? What do you have to say? And it, it it's only because, we, uh, we're friends and we, and we love the topic really, obviously it's not like this is some lucrative business or something we're doing this for, you know? So it's, it's because of that. And because I think we are all, we all care about how we, how we come across and what we want to say and that it means something to us, you know? So, um, I, I, it's, it's, it's something, you know, I I look forward to doing, you know, every every two weeks, I I look forward to doing it and making points and seeing what everyone else has to say and, and enjoy the discourse.
1: And just to add that, you know, we've never, you know, like I said, we've done, you know, what, close to 260 these. We've never had any kind of fight or argument, you know, like, oh, why could you, you know, it's, we, yeah. um, You know, you think about people doing shows and the drama, but butting heads. We've never ever butt heads on anything. We all, even when we disagree, we're all, it's because we just left track and that kind of thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. If there's, if there's one thing that listeners over the years have consistently, uh, like, you know, sent me emails and stuff about that they like about our show people have said consistently they like that we are so positive you know and we we never just trash an episode or like you know this this sucks or <laughs> no, we don't we don't argue with each other stuff like that which some other podcasts maybe uh do and how dare you subtweet me on my own show yeah. like <laughs> well you know what that that, that well you know we started with DS9 cuz it was the show that it was my favorite at the time and wanted to rewatch and we ended up watching the other shows in the order partially cuz they were coming out on on in high def and blu-ray and stuff Oh and is that
3: is that why? I guess that makes that sense. Was, yeah.
0: That was part of it. it. We got lucky with next gen. We were able to watch that one as the disc came out for example. But part of it too was that I kept putting off Voyager because I mean I think Voyager is probably a better show than Enterprise But I found Voyager so much more frustrating, because I liked the characters so much more, and I really wanted it to be good, and I felt like it could be, and then it had issues. So I kept putting it off, especially remembering the pain of Endgame, you know, the final episode of Voyager. So I kept putting it off, putting it off, and sure enough, you know, we got to it, and we just finished it. And, I don't know, I, I feel like maybe I slightly regret some of ending with Voyager, because... I felt like I was impatient with it at times, especially that last <laughs> yeah. season. And then I just kept thinking, you know, this is not what people come to our podcast for. They don't want, you know, I, 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 I really need to hold back here.
3: I kind of, I kind of let it go on Endgame. But, no, well, that's but... a that's a good that's a good question though, because Voyager is a podcast killer, right? There have been numerous Star Trek podcasts that <laughs> Voyager has kind of ended with their career. It's the doomsday machine for it podcasts. Is, it just chews you up but i think that i think that there's something there's only so far you can go where that's a problem and no one admits there's something fundamentally broken about voyager right like there's something there's something wrong with the series that ds9 doesn't have that problem that they really did and what's interesting about it is like i'll i'll, I'll you guys can feed off of that but me and clay always talk about we had this thing when we were going through season 6 of ds9 Season six of DS nine is always heralded as this great season of Star Trek. It's not my favorite DS nine season, but it's very good. It has the occupation arc has a whole bunch of stuff going on. The war is kicked off and everything. Um, DS nine season six has incredible highs and incredible lows. It's really interesting that it's like they were, they were pushing so hard that they got these incredible episodes, but at the same time, they kind of ran out of gas halfway through the season. And the ending is just this slide into really awful episodes, like times orphan and stuff like that. And Hmm. enterprise is different so we're doing enterprise now enterprise is straight threes we're just in season one but enterprise is just a three every episode is just a three it's like there's nothing particularly upsetting about enterprise but there's really nothing really there's nothing so far that the show is really trying to do exceptionally it's just kind of there and what's interesting is whether or not you prefer those two experiences. And we have listeners who kind of feed back and forth. Like some people think it's a very positive thing that there are no bad episodes of Enterprise early on. And other people are more, I prefer the excitement of not knowing whether a good or bad episode is coming up. I don't know what you guys think about that. You can start with that. Uh, go ahead, Brian, or if you want.
0: I would rather have some amazing episodes and, and amazingly bad episodes than all threes myself. I mean, that's the opposite of... Uh... Of of love is is hate I guess you know like I said there's um you know Voyager see I say that but then I'm like I it's it's I it's harder for me to imagine rewatching Voyager now than Enterprise but yeah I mean that's that's the feeling there's like antipathy with 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 Enterprise as opposed to Voyager when I'm just I'm frustrated because it had so much potential and I never felt that way about Enterprise it never disappointed me I never expected anything more from
3: it yeah yeah.
1: Well, it's funny, you're, you're bringing up Enterprise. If I remember, you know, you're talking threes across the board on Enterprise. If you look back at season one of um, Next Gen, even DS9 on definitely Voyager, They're for, none of those three series had very strong opening seasons that I thought. But I thought Enterprise's opening season was solid, and, you know, that kind of, you know, that alludes to, you know, it's threes across the board compared to the other series. Now, it, it'll be interesting to see what you think once you get into season two and three, because I don't... One of those two seasons is is not great, um, and then season, season four two. of Enterprise, yeah. I, I, yeah, season four of Enterprise. I felt like Enterprise started to get, get yeah, its footing and take off.
0: Yeah, everybody loved the season.
1: Yeah, yeah, it got its footing and it was starting to take off in season four, and then you know they canceled it, and we got that horrible um, series ender. So, which I, I hate worse than Endgame, by the way, Brian. So that means can No, that's
3: that's I mean that's what it is. I'll, I'll I'll ask you the same question, Steve. I'll just say that. Um, yeah, I I agree about the highs and the lows, really. Like if you were if you were to objectively look at it, we keep these rankings for these things. Enterprise is probably going to come out of the TNG DS9 Voyager series as having the best average score for the first season, right? But it's going to be the most forgettable season out of all of them at the same time. And I, you know, for TNG is maybe a long way to go, but like DS9 certainly had highs and lows. DS9 had Duet in its first season and stuff like that. Move, move D- Along Home. Yeah, Move, move Along Home's first home. season. It's At least, I'm more I'm more drawn to, after having watched so many of these Star Trek episodes, a lot of the time that I'm approaching with Enterprise or that I'm approaching with sort of these meandering episodes is that, why is no one trying anything with this series? And uh, I'll throw it to you, Steve, about that, like there, where did you feel like any of the series to you uh, Enterprise included or any of them just had stopped trying? And do you think that there's a point in the in the timeline of Star Trek where something happened? I think the biggest mistake I made in my podcast was not doing a uh, air date watch through of watching the shows in order of their air date to see like how in real time these shows played out because I'd be interesting to see where the break happened where the where the wheels kind of got tired a little bit and the tread came off a little bit because it's not there through ds9 voyager seems to be that point and then enterprise is just a recovery but it's a very small recovery in my opinion
2: yeah so i mean generally speaking as you're saying yeah i'd rather have highs and lows than the same thing over and over again but that's kind of i mean i say that but i i tend to be a I kind of, kind of go through life as a kind of a balanced person. I really don't want a whole lot of surprises. Right. But it's, but yeah, in, in art and in media and so on, there's gotta be something there that's compelling. And, 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 you know, honestly, when we, throughout all of this, I had on the most, for most of these things, I'd seen them often enough, Um, that there was no real surprise. I mean, it wasn't like I knew going in, like that, I mean, there was something that just, I think this is going to be awful and it blew me away as awesome or vice versa. There was nothing like that. I kind of knew what I was getting into because I was familiar with them already. Um, there were occasional, very rare surprises, and that's I, – I love that. When you watch something, it's like, oh, yeah, why do I like this so much more than I used to? But it, but it, but that's rare. Um, as far as the arc of the whole thing, I know we – I know, of course, we just recently came off Voyager, and I know we talked about definitely how in the seventh season it started feeling like it was all getting phoned in. You know, it just felt like I, I don't know what causes that. I don't know. It depends on – I mean, there's, there's probably this phenomenon in any industry, in any job, where if you feel like there's no reason to keep – doing quality and you keep senioritis yeah you just it, it's really hard to, to do something new and, and i mean there are exceptions but um that's what you that's what you get i mean if there's not some threat of uh do something compelling or we're just going to wipe this whole thing out and start with a bunch of new people come in next time or whatever if there's if that's not going to happen it's sooner or later it's going it, to you're it's going to be really difficult to put out some compelling interesting product you know and, i mean i think seventh season of voyager was like that but yeah, yeah, I the, guess that answers in.
3: Is it. the sixth season of Voyager stand out? What I always notice is that TNG and DS9 had really strong sixth seasons. So their p- penultimate seasons are like really good before they kind of slide into a worse seventh season, which is, I think, the senioritis thing. But does, is Voyager's sixth season very good? Was that like I remember saying that I didn't realize before we started this run
0: through, I would have that latent image was going to be my favorite. I knew it was up there but uh, I feel like it was late in the image five or six. It was those, those were the two best seasons and somewhere, someone to watch over me, you know, it was like, it was not the first year they got seven, but seven or nine, I mean, but like after they'd had her for a while. So that's where, you know, five and six, they certainly feel like the strongest you guys. Yeah. I agree with that. Somewhere in that zone.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: for sure. Yeah. Uh, I guess we'll go around real quick here. I can start favorite seasons for each of them. Uh, TNG season three. DS9 Season 4, and uh, TOS Season 1. We'll stick with those three just because I haven't done Voyager and we're still on Enterprise. So TOS, TNG, and uh, DS9, if you guys remember. Or just name a favorite episode out of each season, series.
1: We'll see. I'll, I'll copy off of you. I'll take um, I'll take Season 3 of um, up Next Gen. Six of DS9, um, Voyager. I'm going to go with 5 just cuz that's when 7 started to get a lot more interesting um you know and that character kind of drove the the series a lot more in the second half of the series. And Enterprise I'm um, Enterprise season 4 would be my favorite season.
0: Original series is definitely season 1. I think Next Gen might be season 5 for me. I'm thinking of stuff like Cosmic interlight Act. and Darmok, those are yep. both 5, right? Yep. Uh DS9 would would probably be 6. Uh, um, yeah, Voyager's five or six, I'm not sure, something like that. <laughs> the
3: Voyager, Voyager just blends all blends together. It's, just yeah. like, it's one of these later, the later seven seasons. Enterprise, it's easy to say season four, but. Are you guys generally positive on the uh, Zindi arc or kind of are you more. Stanky-y? I, I love
0: the idea of it, but it didn't really feel like. It didn't feel all that serial. I mean, it felt like. It didn't even feel as serialized as the last 10
3: episodes of DS9 for me. Um, but, uh, didn't have that gold ducat uh, Kai Wynn storyline. No. <laughs> Steve favorite, uh, favorite episode or favorite season from those series.
2: Yeah. I, I was going into that question. I was racking my brain. Cause some of these, I had to try to remember it's been too long since we and covered them, but, years.
3: but I, th- I think I'm
2: pretty much in line with Brian. I think it's, it's, it's that it's the, the same, the same ones he mentioned, I think overall.
3: Yeah. 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 I mean, there's, um, there's the standouts and then there's just the, uh, things kind of become a uh, popular consensus, I guess, just because they actually do line up that way. But it it does seem to be the case that the seasons that people say are generally good are the actual ones that turn out to be pretty good. You have a lot of uh, 26 episodes a season gets a chance to water down the average or, you know, we sort of even everything out over the course of time and stuff like that. You you know, You talking about Voyager being a a podcast killer, you know, I mean, I really got to the
0: point where I was feeling bad. I mean, it felt like work doing the podcast. It felt like work watching the episodes. You know, it was like, God, this is, and I know I haven't listened to them. I mean, I edited them, so I've sort of listened to them, but I haven't gone back to see if there is as negative as I seem to think that we were, at least that I was, and I feel bad about that. But, you know, I, I definitely was getting to the point, like, I mean we hadn't talked about what we were going to do after if we were going to keep going or anything, but I was starting to feel like maybe we just need to take a break. I, I don't think aside from the fact that I'm not even sure how the way we do our podcast, how we we would approach something as serialized as, as discovery or Picard uh, aside from the fact that we haven't licked that problem. I, I just wasn't sure if I was ready to go on. And then it was Adam suggested, well, why don't we just, why don't we just watch the movies? And I thought, that's a great idea because I can talk about movies and I can watch them and talk about them in a very different way.
3: Yeah. It'll be, <laughs> you know, I mean, am going to be So are you, are you guys going to do one movie per podcast?
0: Yeah, and I think yeah, we we just did a uh, motion picture last night actually, so that's going to take us through the rest of the calendar year. And I'm hoping by then, my personal Star Trek tank is nice and recharged, and then we can figure out where to go. <laughs> but but yeah, that's what that's what Voyager did. That's what Voyager did to me. Well, so it's, like, it's,
1: it's kind of funny how it how we kind of mirrored the actually the actual show because it seemed like they the, right. all the writers and the act they were all drained by the time in season seven. So we kind of we kind of felt the same way as um the cast of Voyager, I think.
3: No, I, 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 we're saving up for it. It's like a Patreon goal to do the whole Voyager run-through. We'll see if we actually get there, but it is closing in after Enterprise is done. Did you have... You, you did Picard as they went, right? We did, Picard and Discovery. Yeah,
0: was that difficult to talk about, to treat them as such standalone episodes?
3: Um, no, but, well, it's difficult because you it's unlike a standalone episode where i generally remember 90 percent of what happens in a standalone star trek episode you know like you'd there's no moment where i'm going to completely forget about something that happened as long as i'm paying attention i've I've actually seen it and i'm able to, to, to remember it but the the thing about we can probably get into this now like the the thing about the modern trek shows is that they're Pace is relentless. It's relentless. And I it's I, I think that those shows are not good television, let alone good Star Trek. So the problem with talking about them is that it's kind of a mini thing about your Voyager thing where you kind of give up. Like you have high hopes at the start of each season of the modern track, and you're like, all right, let's try to pay attention here. Let's see what's going on. About halfway through, you start to realize that the show doesn't know what it's doing and it doesn't have any real direction. So they're just kind of throwing everything at the screen for you. And when you get to the end of it, you're just kind of laughing at it, going like, this is just like, what? what's the most ridiculous thing they can do to end here? Okay, we're going to have another giant spaceship battle. That'll be fun. All right, here it is. Now let's move on. So it's it's a different style of talking about it. It's almost as if you were talking about a movie over the course of 10 podcasts, really. And it's like you go through the highs and lows of recognizing where the show is going to end up. and after now that we've done three of those modern series, you know you can see the beats coming as they're coming in a very strange strange way for what it is. But I don't know what you guys think about it, whether or not you're going to do those series or if you have any thoughts about the actual series themselves because you've all seen them at this point, right? So it would be a second watch through to record them? Uh, except
0: for Adam, who's has a very reasoned and reasonable uh,
3: <laughs> stance against CBS all access. <laughs> so you can, buy, you can buy the DVDs, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've seen both seasons of of Discovery and I've debated, you know, in our current societal situation, I've debated just, you know, um, you know. Pulling the plug and watching Picard, but I haven't quite got there yet. Because um, it's a because it's kind of like you know. So I heard a comedian make a joke. Okay, I finished watching Netflix. What now? You know. So that's yeah. kind of you know it's kind of like well, what do I watch? I'm like, well, Picard's on the list. I was going to wait for the DVD, but mm, should I? Should I not? Um, I, I've come close a couple times, but part. Of the, I know what you're saying about um, you know modern TV. It's like part of the problem that I have. Part of the problem that I have with maybe starting Picard is like you know I I'm really bad about binge watching so if i like start a series i end up staying up till six in the morning you know watching eight episodes and that's kind of how that's how the new treks are it's just like you got to watch them one after another and after another there's not a break or a beat like um like the the series from the 90s
3: yeah well i don't i can't go up and hold jack here it's an interesting series because it's designed that way but they don't air it that way so when you're watching it in Real time release where they're coming out one one a, a week.
1: See, I'm not see, real quick. I didn't watch them that way. So that's that's I've told Brian and um, Steve this. It's like it's a different experience watching them all at once for the first time. It's, yes, it's actually kind of cool because it's that's kind of how you, what you're saying. That's how they were meant to be shown. It was supposed to be. It's like a Netflix series. You know, you don't. It's not week to week. You just you binge watch. You watch four episodes until you start falling asleep. And then so I really enjoyed watching them. That way in their first run, I don't know if I would actually like going week to week with the new series.
3: Yeah, well, and I'll throw it to either Brian or Steve, whoever wants to answer this, i because you both have seen it, I'm assuming. But I wonder if what Adam's saying about the binge watchability of it is because the binging shows like that hides their flaws. I think because if you if you let that kind of serialized storytelling, which is not a negative, but the, the serialized storytelling that those modern Trek shows do. When you binge it, the flaws and the problems that you have one episode ago get washed away by all the new information that hits you. So you don't have time to really sit there and recognize where the flaws are in it. When when you're coming at it one hour a week, you can really marinate in the, the flaws of what's going on there about how like plots just are picked up and dropped on the the the, on a whim basically it's like if you have if a character has to get from point a to point b we're just going to awkwardly have that character go from point a to point b there's no reason for him to do that it's a lot of that kind of stuff and i think the binge watching negates that but i don't know if what you guys think about it I, well i think
2: i think first of all i think we we probably have different opinions on on picard for example and i won't get into details on it because adam hasn't watched it yet but sure. uh, i overall i overall liked it i don't think it's like the best thing on the planet ever you know and then it's got its high points and low points but i overall liked it um discovery uh, season two is way much better than the first season i think most people will think that but um I, I think it's hard. I think it's one of these things that could take a little bit of time to have it all set in before we can make an opinion, um, because it's it's in the grand scheme of things, it's so new. I mean, it, it's really is different from episodic trek in the 80s and 90s as watching going to a movie was for that you know like if you imagine um someone going to see the first star trek movie or the other trek movies and they were an avid uh trek fan in the 60s or something and it's like well this isn't trek well of course it's not trek because it's a different it's a different form of media it's got to come across in a different way and have different things now i do think Having said that, uh, Star Trek is inherently a television show. It's a television medium. It, it un, you know, when people compare Trek and Star Wars, it's it's ludicrous kind of for for any variety of reasons because they're so incredibly different. Um, but Star Wars is inherently a movie thing. Trek is inherently a TV show thing. But there are good Star Trek movies. I, I think there might be uh, some time we have to take to adapt to a different thing entirely that's neither episodic television nor a movie when in these shows and i think i think there might it might take time for some of that to sink in and like i said i I, you know i I know i have a different view on picard season one than you do um
3: you can stick to discovery because i have the same adam scene discovery right so we can yes kind of stick to that yeah i mean my, my my counter to your point and you can go off of it would just be people have done serialized television well Before you know, it's Mm -hmm. not. It's not like the show is trying to do something that I've never seen before on TV. It's. I think it's just doing a very. I I think it's aping. I think it's trying to ape a new style that the series actually isn't very supportive of because Mm. it's a a fran. It's a episodic television based thing. Television in the sense of the nineties. I'm just. I like I love all the HBO serialized dramas. I love Mad Men and stuff like that. If I could have my druthers, I would have the new Star Trek Mimic Mad Men and how it tells its stories, which is a serialized story that's kind of standalone tales in each thing. Mm-hmm. Um I just think that they're they don't discovery is the same thing. I think that they are just it's a binge model. That I don't think really suits the material all that well.
0: I think what supports that the most are the couple of episodes that I enjoyed the most. Was it Discovery Season One? The- Magic make the famous man go mad.
3: Yeah. Right. And episode. that was yeah. the
0: that was the most standalone. Or even Picard, you know, the and it wasn't just for the nostalgia. I liked the episode with, you know, the Riker. Um, Troy. That's Depend not a spoiler, day. is it? Yep. I, yeah, I yeah. like that episode a lot, you know, and I can I can remember it and talk about it better than probably just about any of the other episodes, except maybe the last one. And and so that that's like uh, that's supporting this idea that there's something more to not just making it standalone, but it's still it's still inside inside the serialized story. It's just more modern, you know. I, I got to say, I was. I was more excited when they announced Strange New Worlds than any of the other announcements. Because it, aside from the fact that the, that stuff looks beautiful, I love the way uh, Pike, you know, and I, lo- I think Anson Mount is the best Pike. And that's saying something because we've yeah. had some good ones.
3: We love their uniforms. I just love those uh, Their uniforms are yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah. They're so great.
0: I was really excited about this. And then uh, Kiva Goldsman said it was going to be a little bit more standalone, a little bit more... Like the older Treks, but I know, I'm no—I'm sure, I'm certain that it's—it's it's not going to be complete bottles. I mean, it's still going to be a more modern standalone, which is, still fits inside of some kind of serialization.
3: Yeah.
1: So Wes, um, you know, kind of the the big difference that I, you know, you mentioned Mad Men and some of the HBO series. You know, you can mention Game of Thrones. That Breaking you know, Bad that, might be my favorite. Yeah, yeah know, Breaking Bad. But I yeah,
3: mean,
1: I think maybe kind of probably what. What I've kind of noticed about Discovery, that it's kind of missing, and I, and I hate to say this because it's still in its run, so they might be able to steer the ship correctly. They're not They're not so much character-driven. It's more like what you were saying. It's more action and plot-driven. Yeah. And that's kind of the difference between the series that went on in the 90s and the 60s, where the characters are what drove the story. Not the story driving the characters, and I think that's the biggest difference. Now, um, like I said, I don't, I don't know where they're going to go with Discovery or, or Picard, so they might get there. So it's kind of hard for me to, to be really down on them just yet, um, because you know they haven't completed their, you know, their story um, art. But that's what I have noticed. It's, it's plot driven. It's not character driven in these new series. I can't say for sure about Picard, but that's what I've noticed about Discovery.
3: Yeah. No, it definitely is. It's a. Um... It is, the way you said it is perfect. It's just the story drives the characters of those shows around as opposed to the other way uh, around things. They have hints where that's not the case, but it kind of peters out because it it tends to go towards a very um, impressive ending, which can't really be supported by character work at that point. In a way that, you know, original series, next gen,
0: these shows did it because that's all they could do, you know, is two guys sitting in a room talking and then cut to the same single model shot of the enterprise in the same spot. <laughs> Change the color you know, of the that, that was what they had to do. Right. But they were forced to make these shows about characters and
3: you know, that's what we love. So let's step it, let's step it back a little bit. I don't know if you, how, how well you guys remember enterprise cause you did it a long time ago, but do you feel that enterprise was enterprise held back because it didn't embrace more modern storytelling until later in its run? They attempted to.
1: Well, I think Brian can speak to this, because, you know, like once they, you know, the idea, I think the idea of Enterprise was to do something very different, and then that changed very quickly. And I, I know Brian knows more about this subject than I do, and I think that's kind of where the show got lost.
0: Yeah, well, you know, if Voyager, it was a choice they made to almost overnight get rid of this whole drama with the McKee on the ship, you know, Enterprise, maybe that choice was forced on them. We're going to have this, you know, I mean, I don't know how true it is, Braga's talked about well, we were, the first season was going to be, we weren't even going to leave Earth. We were going to be, I don't know, building the ship or something. And that what was what happens in Broken Bow is going to be the whole season. I don't know how true that is, but he says and that, you know, the suit's forced on them. We just need them. At the end of the first episode, they're on the ship. Okay, well, they're going to have problems with the transporters. And, you know, that's not going to be a thing. Well, that lasted. I, I don't know. Just, they very, very quickly went back to the old tried and true hat for them of what they did on uh, next gen DS9 and yep. uh, a Voyager, but I I think the sweet spot they found wasn't that season three Zindi thing. It was that season four Manny thing where they did all these, like you know, like Mini two arc. or three episode yeah. things. So they 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 amortized the, the the costs and could do stuff like, you know, build the Defiant, right? That's the 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 limo, but, um do stuff like that. But it, it's it's not the whole season. It's you know get, we 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 give us two or three episodes i i I thought that was the sweet spot now i don't know maybe it's a a question of contrast (laughs) maybe if the uh first couple seasons had been better um season four wouldn't stand out so much right
3: yeah yeah (laughs) no i i would kind of agree with you i i i think that's probably that halfway model is probably a very interesting place that they would want to go um Star Trek, to me, always it always strikes me with their, the way that they write things is that sometimes one episode is too little, but two episodes is way too much. Sometimes, you know, they, they run into that problem a lot of the time with the two-parters. You know, on, on that note, sorry to say that, but I'm really surprised that it seems like they're going out of their way.
0: Discovery and Picard, they've all been pretty much normal length, right? Yeah, they
3: keep it fairly consistent. That's yeah.
0: what I don't understand. They've got all this freedom now, and the only way they choose to express it is to have somebody drop the f bomb. <laughs> you know, I think there's. Oh, you're forgetting I think the there's... Klingon sex, which I, I enjoy <laughs> quite quite greatly. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just surprised they haven't taken more advantage of the freedom that not being on a network.
3: Well, have you should seen? Give them. Have you seen Short Tracks? Yeah. Have you? Uh, have uh, Adam? Have you seen? And Steve? Have you seen the Short Tracks? yes, yeah, I've seen yes. The discovery one just yes. what did you guys think of what did you guys think of those
1: i liked them I, I i thought they were kind of a cool creative way to kind of fill in some gaps for some characters um but yeah for sure you know you kind of got some insight on the characters and that's kind of that kind of what you were mentioning that actually kind of slowed it down for me a little bit i'm like oh, okay you know here's what's going on with this character or here's what's going on with this character that for whatever reason they weren't able to do, and the in the season they were able to slow it down in these little shorts. Yeah, I like. But you would think it would be creative. the opposite. You think if they're doing a short, you want to have it really fast and fast paced and action packed to hold people's attention for you know that short period of time. But yeah,
0: they they were remarkably consistent. I mean, I don't think there was a, I don't think there was a bad one. They were either good or pretty damn great.
3: They're a nice creative outlet. I really like the animated one, for instance. Like I think that that was kind Chikino of the keynote one. Yeah, yeah. That, I think that was kind of neat and. Some of them strike me as less interesting. Uh, The one that's sticking out is the Ask Not, which is the one where Pike is yelling all those regulations at that girl who thinks she's under attack on the space station. Yeah, Um, that that was probably the most pedestrian. (laughs) So, I mean, outside of that, though, but I do wish that the series, because I do want the, my complaint about discovering Picard is not that the franchise is changing, because I do want the franchise to change, because I think it has to, we can't the worst case scenario for strange new worlds is if it comes out and it's nineties Trek all over again, because then <laughs> I, I, don't
1: know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. That's not
3: what we want. I don't know what we're doing at that point. Like we we've done this, we've done this before by the time we're an enterprise, we're already repeating stories we've seen four times at this point. So I don't think we need to do that exactly the same thing again, but something different, but good it, I, like, I just I just wish that they would slow down a little bit. Um, and that's really my main takeaway uh, from that kind of stuff. Hey, um, um, Wes, I was going to ask, did you, um, I, don't,
1: I don't think these are the two, did you watch the Orville?
3: I, yes, we do. I have not seen all the Orville. I've seen some of the Orville.
1: I remember, so I was watching Orville the, the same time that season one of Discovery came out. And I, I, I felt like that was more of a Star Trek show than, than Discovery's. it was it was kind of weird it is
3: he pulled he pulled all the star trek producers over basically so it is kind of star trek even cast (laughs) yeah he cast too with um uh penny johnson is that her name the uh, yeah 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 it's my problem with the orville is that it's so it draws like moths to the flame these not star trek people who just like hate the the modern series to such an extent that they're just like, well, the Orville is Star Trek. I'm going to, I'm going to call it Star Trek from this point going forward and just like exist as this, uh, this is the only thing that I want to watch. I, I don't mind the Orville like Seth MacFarlane. If he actually took over a Star Trek series and was, had the branding of Star Trek would actually probably be a pretty entertaining series. I don't know if it would be good, but it would be something very uh, enjoyable about it at the same time. But at the, at the, the same time you guys are getting into the movies, the best movie was made by someone who's not a fan of the franchise. You know? Like th- there's something to be said for having a removed person come in and do something different with it. Someone who doesn't worship the ground that the franchise walks on, someone who's not overly familiar with it. And I think that's maybe one of the better ways forward. You also get
2: nemesis doing that
3: too. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's true. Yeah. That, that's what, <laughs> what I was just about to say. One,
0: you get nemesis with Stuart Baird. Lavar Burton's character is an alien. But also I kind of would like to have seen whatever Brian Fuller was going to do with Discovery. You know, I I think that could have been. I, I I would like to have seen that, and I know he's you know he has a Star Trek background, and he's a Star Trek fan, but they changed it. Whatever he was going to be doing,
3: they did. Although I wonder. He His other shows are also kind of the same thing where he puts it out and he, de- he doesn't really know where he wants to go with it. And then sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't for him. Um, I think that's just the op- the way that he operates as a creative. Um, I, there's still, you know, you can get into the whole nerd aspect of Discovery about whether or not any of this makes sense that he would want this prequel story to be happening at this point, just because of how strange all the uh, the tech is and everything. His His idea of an anthology series is probably... The greatest way that they could have gone with it i would have been down for each season is a different timeline that you're exposed to and it's a whole new cast and all that stuff that would have been, that would have been fascinating
0: yeah i mean if it's a cost thing i mean it feels like they're almost doing that with <laughs> um the way they're jumping around but...
3: right with, with discovery <laughs> discovery had to jump forward because it just had to get out of its own way to uh to jump into the the future we, they don't have a start date for that yet anyway, I don't think. No, not yet. No, it sounds like it's still supposed to be 2020, but
0: yeah, I guess we'll see. Well,
3: let's see here. I guess we can go out with um, some kind of Star Trek thing. Is there anything you guys want to say about Star Trek at this point? You're looking, Are you looking forward to the movies?
1: yes yes definitely um you know you know we got the the best three coming up so that's we got the that's uh the next picture
3: out of the way you you mean yeah so we got
1: you know we got rathacon um search for spock and voyage home and that's the the star trek trilogy um and you know so that'll be fun to get into and then you know when we get into next gen i'm gonna be like why didn't they do a trilogy so but we'll have we'll have those discussions um down the road
3: (laughs) steve you're only allowed to keep three star trek movies what are they uh gosh uh,
2: um well it, it's tough because you are, we already said trilogy there right but those wouldn't be the three i you know i for probably a variety of different reasons um everybody loves wrath of sure, and i you know g- growing kind of growing up and getting into trek with next gen first contact is still uh just I, I just love watching first contact i mean i can't I, I i i enjoy it so much i can't even critically say how good it is really i can't i don't think i think it overrides it, 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 it sure. I, tr- I have trouble with that search for spock i think is really good um and perhaps underrated at times um
3: it be the three brian what three are you keeping
0: i've always known like most people hate star trek
3: three people
0: talk about star trek three like supporting that old thing about uh, the even numbered ones are good, and the odd numbers, are but I love Star Trek three, and um, I'm looking forward to. After all these years of <laughs> telling our listeners, I love Star Trek three, but can't really. We're not. We're not here to talk about that. I'm looking forward to being able to explain why. Explain why? Yeah, but you know, we're knocking like we we just made a joke about how crappy Nemesis is, and it's true, but uh and I don't think it's spoilers to say the one sentence that. that Oddly and shockingly, you know, Picard, we've talked about this already, but uh, that Picard seems to have made Nemesis a little bit better, Mm. oddly, you know, and it's kind of crazy that the movie that everybody trashes is the one that they used as a jumping off point for a lot of stuff. So, you know, even the bad stuff, I guess is what I'm saying, (laughs) even when Star Trek is bad, uh, it still has value and you put the right person with it, somebody like uh, Kristen Baer, and they can find gold in that. Yeah. Are you guys watching the uh, the Kelvin movies as well? Well, I think we'll do the first one, and that'll be our last one. Because we did Into Darkness and Beyond. We actually did those when they came out. Oh, many Into Darkness the, was the first thing that came out, the first new Star Trek that existed after we started our podcast. Mm-hmm. Boy, talk about... I've never seen... A, my. That's one thing where my feelings on it have changed. I don't think I... I didn't like Super Love It, but I, I think I've really gotten a lot more negative on Into Darkness in the years since it was released. <laughs> yeah.
3: Beyond is excellent though. Beyond is uh available. Yeah, it's like- a lot of
1: fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Beyond feels like a Star Trek movie.
3: It does, yeah. Beyond's very good. My my three. Then I'll go to you, Adam, just to I'll give you a chance to think about this. Um it's the motion picture, Khan. And then it's generations. Strangely, generations. I, I freely admit that first contact is a million times better than generations. If I want to sit and watch a TNG cast in a movie, I want to watch generations. I think for as as, as average as that movie is, it's the you only just one. You love the Enterprise D. I, I like the. I like the awkward costuming. I like how like I like how ridiculous the whole thing is. Like the the Nexus doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but I'm really drawn into it for some reason. It's I'm, I'm, I'm like with it. you, Wes. Yeah. I,
1: I have a very yeah. I'm very affectionate to Generations. I know it's not a. I would say it's not a bad movie, but I wouldn't say it's a it's a great movie. You know, it's 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 a three. It it's a three, but I I really enjoy it.
3: I remember being 11 and it being the first movie that I walked out of the theater feeling disappointed by. I, I remember that distinctly, and which is strange because I should have been too young, but there was just something so um, almost low energy about it. But at the same time, now that I'm older, I like that low energy aspect of it.
0: I think Generations is the best looking next gen movie by a mile. Oh, well. I don't think any of the other ones,
1: the lighting is really good. Yeah. The, yeah, the sets, colors,
0: so. um, just, just gen, the composition, even the way they use the frame that the generation is the only good looking next gen movie.
3: Oh, interesting. Bold, yeah. Bold chase. Uh, that's why I like the motion picture too, just because I know it's, I can, I can, I can admire it not being a very good movie, but I also admire how strange that movie is for a Star Trek movie. Um, so morose, so sad. Kirk is like suicidal and everything is just so fascinating about that movie. <laughs> Adam, what are your three?
1: I'll go Con, Wrath of Con. We'll do Star Trek three, and one of you know I'll throw in six, Star Trek six. Oh wow.
3: all original, original series.
1: Yeah.
3: movie Kirk is your your Kirk. So I guess Adam's not going to be
0: disagreeing with me. <laughs> always, i always we, we almost always agree, but I think my most interesting discussions are when we have disagreed. Yeah, over the years. <laughs> which no, just I, doesn't happen yeah. very
1: much. Yeah, so when, when we do talk about episode, um. um the search for spock it'll it'll probably be an easy podcast for steven and i because (laughs) brian loves that we we love his yeah he goes on his monologues but i mean they're fun so i mean so so um he even warned us before endgame um you know so so it'll be nice for three it'll be a nice loving you haven't
0: i'm sure you haven't listened to my i when i cut that podcast i took out some (laughs) (laughs) i I even (laughs) called the writers some names i took that out I i
1: cut that out but he he warned he warned us before Endgame. He like he like warned us like going into season seven. He's like I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go off on Endgame, and so like Steve and I just kind of just sat back and, and let him go. So yeah, you know you, um, yeah you get you
2: get you a drink and a snack and kind of <laughs> run, lounge <laughs> out and just listen.
1: <laughs> so it, it'll be a loving rant. Reboot when we the do, computer. Um, yeah, it'll be a loving rant when we do search for Spot because it, it is an excellent movie. I mean, it it really is. It hits all the notes. I mean. You, well, can almost, you know like,
0: what it's it, it's it's perfect because it, you, you can argue that it's the ugliest of all the Star Trek movies yes, uh, New yes one it was is. just starting out it looks so cheap like I wish they had gone on location all that kind of stuff but if the thing that I love so much is are the characters and these fam and the family and being with these characters and believing in their love for each other and the family this is exactly for this, the same exact reason that I love Star Trek 3 is the same it's the same reason that I hate endgame <laughs> mm-hmm. right yeah. yeah. There's yeah. not a
1: lot high there's there's probably more high drama in three, maybe than even Khan. You know, it's just there's so much
3: You cling on bastards, you've killed my son.
1: Yeah, I mean inter- yeah, I mean it's spoilers. It's, it's
3: great. <laughs> you, you don't I don't think you get any drop kicks in Wrath of Khan. You get a lot of drop kicks in uh in Search for Spock, <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah mm. Spock, Spock is um I'm alone on the island spock is one of my least favorite of the movies actually um it's been a while since i've seen it but i just remember really really not enjoying that one
0: No, i, I get it i mean it, it, most people feel that way uh if i recall correctly it's probably the only star trek film that that's that was ever noted in the president's diaries, I think Reagan, we watched Star Trek 3. It wasn't too good. You know, most
1: people. You know, because it doesn't really have Spock in it. The movie's about Spock, but he's not I, really yeah, in I just, it.
0: I, for me, Spock is more in Star Trek 3 than any other movie.
1: But yeah, I mean, people don't get to we'll see get there, him. We'll yeah, but yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the movie is about Spock, but he's not in it. That's That's the trick that maybe some people don't get. But hey,
0: this is the great thing. All these episodes of Star Trek, all these years we've been talking about it. There, there's something for everybody there really is you know
3: and that's that's awesome let's close this out with what's your favorite kind of star trek episode does anyone want to go first if anyone has an idea you know there's nothing too specific i'm looking for here i, I guess i can go first just to sort of uh, give you time to think about it if i were just to pick a random star trek episode that i would want to watch i really love the mystery episodes even when they're not particularly good but i love things like um conundrum in tng and Clues is a good one on TNG. Uh, even stuff like, is it Whispers in early DS9? The one where O'Brien is a clone, that, or he is a clone walking around thinking that everyone is conspiring against him. Um, I really like those uh, episodes for whatever reason. Um, they're always the ones that I can just kind of turn to every now and then. Even, even after I've watched them a hundred times and I know what the uh, the solution is to everything. I just, I like, I like the versatility of the franchise that it can do things like that.
0: I, I don't think it would be a, a surprise for anybody with me i mean it's it's probably pretty the kind of stuff a lot of people would say i i like the acting tour de force something like duet in ds9 that's up there but those those huge episodes that span space and time you know stuff like sitting on the edge of forever uh or um the visitor the inner light i understand why you know some people think over uh, the inner light is overrated Absolutely, but those are the kind of things that it doesn't matter how many times I watch, how many times I watch them, I get goosebumps. I, I I've seen Star Trek too. Ugh, I'm sure I've seen that more than any other movie. I'm sure I've seen it hundreds of times, and I still I still cry when Spock dies. You know, there, there there I have this. There's a connection to those characters, and when I see them, like in the Visitor, when I see him him age and you know make this ultimate sacrifice for his father. Gets me every time. And, it is. You know, it, I guess it's not very Star Trek but that's that's the best for me.
3: No, co host Clay always says that uh, City on the Edge is not the best episode of TOS because Balance of Terror is, because Balance of Terror is actually a Star Trek episode, and City on the Edge is not a Star Trek episode. That's his take, his perspective, which I. Uh, yeah, I, no, I would understand. agree with that. You know, yeah. if I, uh, objectively, Doom, uh, Doomsday
0: Machine is probably yeah, my Doomsday favorite yeah. episode of the original series, but. That, then that one feels like a Star Trek episode in the way that City doesn't. Yeah, but
1: yeah, Adam, I could watch City forever. <laughs> um, well, I, I totally agree. With, I totally agree with Brian about the Visitor and you know those type of episodes. But I'll, I'll kind of go another way so we can diversify it a little bit. Um, I'll go into to Next Gen. It's I, I really love the um, the Q arc in Next Gen. You know, the the um, Farpoint. Definitely had its problems, but it set up this um, story arc that we, you know, we hadn't seen in Star Trek before, and it really wasn't even in a lot of shows at that time. And um, you know, you have some great episodes with Q, and you know, just the the how it made Picard grow. And you get to the final episode, and it's just it's about the the inner the inner journey you know the, the journey of the mind and the spirit as opposed to the stars and i really enjoyed those episodes and, um, you know cuz i kind of feel like they kind of expand you into you know, kind of opens up the box and it kind of expands you out into thinking differently
3: hmm. interesting i I've, i don't know if anyone's ever said the q the q uh, arc is like been their mo- their most favorite that's it's fast i mean he's he's it's one of those weird things where the character annoys me to a point where i it knocks me away from like how vital he was to the series in a lot of ways. Like even, um, Q who was like a, a fix for the series in a lot of ways where it knocked Picard off of this. It knocked the entire cast of characters off of this lecturing aliens who they run into about why humanity is so great. Um, which was like very important for it, and it is obviously all due to Q. But uh, Steve, yours your favorite kind of Star Trek episode?
2: Well, I'm going to be boring and probably go along the lines of these kinds of episodes like *Inner Light* and *Visitor*. But I, I would say that the or *City on the Edge of Forever*. But the thing is, I I don't think they would be half the quality if it wasn't for all the rest of it because it, it's not. They're not just. I mean, if you, if you try to tell that story with a whole bunch of strangers or something, you know, in some kind of just one-off sci-fi show, it wouldn't have nearly the impact, that, that the fact that it's that kind of show with the characters we love. I mean, I think, I think Trek's impact, and we've alluded to this, it has to do with characters and character development and these, these characters you come to you know really adore and care about and you care about their relationship with each other. And when you have these very rare occasions where they tell a story in a way that hasn't been told before, in and that has universal truths and spans space and time and and ideally maybe digs into the psyche of one character and what motivates them. It, it's huge, but only because we care so much about those characters and it, and it makes it so much more meaningful.
3: Yeah, yeah. Oh well. Uh- well,
0: that's the other thing about episodes like that. You know, I, I, duet's amazing, but you could do two. You could do duet on a, a, not a star trek or not a sci-fi show but something like you know like the visitor or city you know you, those can only happen on star yeah. trek
3: besides the, this yeah the uh the sci-fi angle the most the most star trekiest i always say the darmok is the most star trekiest <laughs> star trek episode it's like if it pretty much if someone was like what is star trek about i think i'd show them darmok uh, to be that mm-hmm. way um yeah i guess that's it well guys, thanks for coming on to talk about Star Trek. Good guy, congrats on finishing 10 years of a journey here, which is um impressive also because I guess you guys are slightly a slower pay- you do 3 episodes every 2 weeks and we do 4 every 2 weeks, I suppose. So it's like it's a um it's interesting to see the 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 pace. I don't know if you guys follow Mission Log, but Mission Log is just like so um dedicated to the one episode a week thing that it's just like you can you can see the timeline stretching out in front of you yeah like, yeah no good way yeah. to get through this at all um, we started off with four. Oh, did we, you with DS- we did
0: ds we did four for ds9 and then that was just too much work yeah that's <laughs> so a lot then of. we switched to three episodes every two weeks and and uh, if we keep going after the movies you know if we were to address ds to discovery or picard we might even even slow down more i'm not sure
3: yeah, that's why the uh, the movies will be good for you because you won't be confusing the episode with a, it's like oh no wait that happens in the next episode that's not this is not the yeah. one where Picard happens yeah. in that we because we used to record multiple ones at a time and I just got too confused when you're when you're trying to cram them in like at eleven o'clock at night the night before you're supposed to record and you're like <laughs> I can't I can't make it through this I just have to I just have to absorb this and remember all right I guess we're done here talking about the Star Trek congrats guys on 10 years it is an accomplishment it's uh thank you it's amazing to get through all the all these things um there's so many episodes of star trek and you guys now have a um a claim to having a, a better opinion than 99 of the people <laughs> <remote>. <laughs> well thank you very much adam brian and steve thanks for having us thank you thank you
0: all right. So that was the interview from the Penske Podcast. Again, you can find Wes his podcast at the Penske Podcast.com. That was fun. You guys remember when we did that? Nope. <laughs> Vaguely. Vaguely. Okay. Uh well it was great. And uh we really appreciate Wes having us on. And hope you guys enjoyed it. We hope you have an excellent uh holiday season and a great Christmas. You know, despite all the crappy things going on, as I keep reminding uh, friends and family, it feels like we are closer to the end of this thing than we are to the beginning, which is good. There's a light at the end of that tunnel. I'm sure we're going to be running into each other at Disneyland soon. We are going to be back in a month to start talking about Discovery. We're going to change our format just a little bit. We're just going to talk about two episodes in each podcast and then I'm just going to have one question, one uh, Six Degrees question at the end of each podcast, so it'll be a little bit less, a little bit less work for us, and it'll stretch it out a little bit. Um, but we'll still be, you know, recording every every two weeks. Um, and our first episode is going to be, well, the first two episodes of Discovery, which really just means the 90 minute pilot, because uh, they aired the first two episodes kind of as a, as a you know TV movie. So that's what we're going to be discussing in a month. Uh, that'll be. You know, should be the first, probably the first Thursday of um, January that we post that. Should be.
1: Have a safe and happy holiday season. And um, yeah, we'll see you on the flip side in 21.
0: Woohoo. So you can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Our uh, website, checkcompanion.com. Our Facebook page is Trek companion. Leave us a review. That's how people find us. Give us a little five stars on iTunes on your on the app on your phone that helps people find us. That's great. Thank you. I know we've had people that have listened to us for ten years, and we have people that are brand new. And we love you all and we really appreciate your time. And we hope that our podcast this year, you know, as we've tried to keep it as close to normal as possible, uh we hope that it's been even just the tiniest tiny tiny bit of normal to help you get through this crappy crappy year even just the tiniest bit more easily because that's what it's done for me and as I say every year uh, guys I enjoy doing the podcast because it makes us rich that's why we do it no uh, I enjoy doing the podcast (laughs) because it's my you know it's my bi-weekly opportunity to hang out with you too and this year more than any other not just for the pandemic but you guys know some personal reasons i've some crap that i've had to deal with and i'm grateful as always i'm very grateful that you guys have continued to find the time to do this so thank you again for spending an hour with us and we will talk to you in 2021
1: bye guys have a great holiday see ya. I and passed it.